0: Hi, who wants to be up there? They sound like they're having loads of fun. Um, As Dan said, I'm Bex. A lot of you are familiar faces, so it's really nice to be here chatting with you all. Um, But for those of you that I don't know, it's really nice meet you um so we are yeah this is talk number three out of four thinking about what it looks like for us as a group of people to be a community of people that live towards the end of the kingdom of God and Dan kicked us off with talking about how the kingdom of God is like here now so that was two weeks ago and then Jonah the world kind of stood still last week for me when Jonah was talking um about like how well he was talking about the kingdom of God being in the unexpected places but he, at the end, I don't know those of you that are parents in the room, if your soul was also moved. But he was talking about how, um, like, the kingdom of God kind of happens, you know, wherever you are. So, like, at home, as you're raising your kids, you're doing the mundane side of things. He said lots of other things as well, but that was the one thing I remember, and it was <laughs> amazing. Um, so, yeah, if you haven't kind of caught up on, on those two, then, then do go back. Because what we're looking at today is the kingdom of or basically the imaginative kingdom of God. So um, what it looks like for us to literally kind of be using our imagination or allowing the Holy Spirit to partner with us and to unlock the kind of imaginative kingdom of God. Um, And to kind of get us into that mindset, um, we are very lucky to live with all of Johnny's family. They live as a knot in the same house. They all live in Devon. That would be... Well, I guess that would be fun, but not what I mean. So they all live in Devon. And so we are really close to, um, to all of them. But uh, our, our kind of brother and sister-in-law... Rich and Emily, one of the benefits of being so close to people and seeing them so regularly is that you begin to form your own opinions on their arguments, and you, and you begin to think, like, that's definitely my favourite one so far. Or would they say, like, to you really, like, wow, it's like, I know, it was so bad. So you kind of, like, you know when you know each other so well that you realise, like, I'm, I have opinions about this argument. And one of my absolute favourite arguments that I promise is relevant, but one of my favourite arguments that they had is, has anyone here been to um, View Exeter, the cinema in Exeter? incredible experience right like these massive like armchairs and they're always reclined and the feet come up and you don't have to pay extra that's not VIP that's just anyway I love going to view Exeter because it's such an amazing um, set up, would definitely recommend, and so years ago, um, they went to watch a film together, Rich and Em, and um, it's like their date night, and they've got their coke, and they've got their popcorn, and he usually works in the evenings, he's a musician, so it's like a big deal that they're there in the evening, and they're so excited for this film, and I'm not going to tell you the film, because otherwise, I'll do to you what happened in the argument, but they're watching this film, they're settling down, and you know when it just goes quiet, and it's like rating 15, and you know, it's like, shh. She leans over to him and says, "Um, babe, have you seen like all over social media? He actually dies in this one. And he was like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah. Like, have you not seen like, oh, you didn't. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You didn't. No, he's like. No, I didn't know that he died. And so he was furious. He was like, are you actually joking? She was like, sorry, sorry. And so then the whole film, he was just, obviously, he was furious. But also, just, he saw the whole film so differently. He was like, well, he's not going to die. Well, no, now he is going to, maybe he'll die now. And the whole thing was completely ruined. And genuinely, when they told us the story the next day, I was like, um, that's up there. It's one of my favorites. It's definitely, definitely one of my favorites. And the reason, that, um, the reason that I have been thinking about that argument more than normal this week, um, as I've been thinking about this talk, is what I realise is that when you know the end of the story, how you experience the now changes. When you know what's coming, your experience of reality is impacted. It, ha- it has to be. You can't pretend, you can't unhear that that central figure dies, he can't, he can't, he can't unknow that because he knows the end of the story, how you operate now is impacted. And so when I was thinking about the kingdom of God, and particularly what Darren was talking about, that the kingdom of God is here, it's happened. The kingdom of God is advancing. God's will is unfolding here on earth as it is in heaven it's happened. It's a thing that we are in the process of watching unfold. We know that that's the end of the story. And so that impacts how we are today. It it just has, it has to, you know, I kind of realized like, Oh, it's not like an option. It's like, no, we, we know as a community of believers, we know the end of the story. The kingdom of God is advancing. The kingdom of God is here. One day, pain, sickness, sin, All gone, God's will is unfolding here on earth. So, how does that change how we see the now? How does it change our today? Um, And that's basically what we're going to be unpacking and just thinking about. today in this in this talk how does knowing that the kingdom of god is the end of the story that's the end that's where we're going that's the end of the story that's the punchline it's unfolding around us god's will is unfolding around us how does that change how we operate today and then i guess a little extension from that is how does that change what we view as ordinary how does that then become extraordinary literally extraordinary like more than ordinary how does it change that um I have had to Google what is the kingdom of God quite a few times because it's like quite abstract. I'm like, is it like a thing? Is it one thing? Is it like the return of Jesus? So to be honest, I'm not like totally sure. But, um, but, it, is, but it is just this, my kind of understanding of it today that I hope we can all work with is, is basically God's will playing out here on earth as it is in heaven. And you guys actually, um, Bill and Claire, thank you. You just prayed that as well, like in the Lord's Prayer. Um, so it's, it's God's will playing out here on earth as it is in heaven. Um, Shall we read? Um, It's Luke 13, um, verse 18 to 21. I don't know if you have Bibles around. Um, It's very short, so if not, I can just read it and you can listen. Um, But yeah, Luke 13, 18 to 21, which is um, the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast. So then Jesus asked... What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree and the birds of the air perched in its branches. Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. So two things that I just want to kind of draw out um, of that. And funnily, Meg, who runs youth here at St. Basils, she um, messaged me this week saying, can you just give me like a high level, you know, voice note of what, what it is you're going to be sharing so I can link it with the youth. And I, so I did it. I was like, yeah, sure. This is, this is kind of my thought. And, um, you know, view you, you should really, no, I'm kidding. But um, so I was kind of talking to her about it. And then she replied being like, oh, okay. So do you mean it like this? And I was like, Yes, that's brilliant. So this first thing that I'm talking about is totally all credit to Meg. Because the way you know when you hear someone else say it, I'm like, Yes, that's exactly what I'm trying to get at. Um so with, with this whole concept of your ordinary becoming extraordinary and how that can kind of play out for you, if you picture like a mustard seed in your hand, you, do you know that like, they're teeny, they're teeny, teeny, tiny. I was thinking that like, maybe I should buy some, bring it in a prop. I was like, well, it's literally pointless. You won't be able to see it. It's so, so small, so, so, so teeny. So imagine that you are a farmer and you're holding one mustard seed in your hand. If you know that this mustard seed has got the power to turn into a tree on which birds will come and rest and fly, and they'll all kind of come around. How you hold that mustard seed kind of changes significance, doesn't it? And they actually—they were actually a nightmare, and I think they kind of still are a nightmare. Because if you drop them, it's like, okay, a tree is going to, you know, come here. There's, there's like a real, like, significance of, like, I've got it. It's so tiny, but I know what you're going to do. I know... You, you could go quite literal. I know the life you're going to bring for others. I know the ability that you are going to serve for nature. Birds are kind of... Cool. I know the significance of what you can do. This teeny, teeny mustard seed. And so you, you carry it differently. You, you hold it differently. And you see that it's very, very normal and tiny and underassuming, And yet, because you know... What that can do, how you treat it, is so, so different. Similar then with the yeast, like I don't know, I think it's like a pinch of yeast. I'm definitely not, I've never used yeast, so I don't know, but um, but it's like a small amount of yeast and in a huge amount of flour. I mean, it's like bags and bags and bags of flour. I actually tried to Google, like, how much of flour were they talking about? And then it was like, they were talking about £20. It was like, Convert pounds into flour bags. Flour bags, kilograms. Honestly, it was eight Google tabs. I was like, okay, forget that. Just it was a lot of flour. <laughs> I've totally lost track of the pounds to the kilograms to the grams to the flour to the. No, too much. Um, and so this teeny bit of yeast in a huge thing of flour. You don't want to use. You don't want to lose the yeast like oh no no have you got it have you got it don't lose it because yes we've got loads of flour but you put that in the oven and it's just flat and it's nothing you can't do it have you got the yeast yes okay thank goodness you put the yeast in and there's this huge amounts of bread of loveliness of things you know when you know when you know what it can do it changes how you treat it it changes how you see it and I just think, how then do we, if we know that the kingdom of God is here, it's, it's happened. God's will is, is playing out in our lives, in the lives of this community, our communities back at wherever we live. It, it changes then how we see the potential for who we are in those places, what it means for the Holy Spirit to live in us now. Because you know the end of the story you know that you're a mustard seed that's going to turn into a tree that birds are going to come and sit on in line with the holy spirit there's so much that god has got for you for me for other people because of the end of the story we know it we we know what's happening i think about it sometimes you know when you try and get like abstract thoughts Imagine that you are the only person in the world that knows that one day football is going to be played with your hands. (laughs) It really helps me get into like an abstract, you know, point of point of mind. If you know that football is one day going to be played with your hands and no one's ever going to play with their feet, what would you do? You'd probably start looking at like football gloves that you could sell for loads and loads of money. And you, would, you wouldn't worry too much about the football boots and what color they are. And shin pads, less essential. You might start looking at elbow pads. And, you know, just what would it actually do to your imagination? How would you view football differently? If you're an entrepreneur, what would you start thinking? Like, oh, I could really tap into. Imagine if you knew that one day, 20 years time, everyone would be playing football with their hands. What would you do? There's this like amazing invitation to the imagination, and I think that's what God wants to do with us through the Holy Spirit. It's like, Bex, how would you use your words? What would you say to people? If you knew that the end of the story is that the kingdom of God is advancing, God's will is playing out in and through you, empowered by the Holy Spirit, what would you say to people? How would you coach people? How would you raise your child? What would you do? There's this imagination. There's the encouragement of the imagination, because I know the end of the story. How am I going to? How am I going to use my words? How am I going to? Dot dot dot. I don't want to give loads of examples because you know the examples in your life. How are you going to lead? How are you going to be a spouse? How are you going to be a friend? How are you going to do conflict? How are you going to support? Like you know, what are you going to do? if you know that what the Holy Spirit wants to partner with you in doing is the equivalent of knowing that that mustard seed is going to turn into a tree, what what would you do? So that's just the first thing I want to offer you is that is that imagination. It's literally like an art of imagination, um, which as just a little thing before we move on in like the, um, I'm a coach and I get to work with different business leaders in different sectors and it's a really fun job. Um, and one of the things that we do, if, if someone feels like stuck and they can only see, they can only see their business exactly how it is, which makes sense because they, you know, are very involved in it. You, you do this thing of like, okay, your main product, get rid of it. What would you then do to still serve your vision? And it's, it's actually a famous thing because you, you can do it of like, okay, you're a, whole, you're a hotel chain. You've just lost all of your hotels. What do you do? Airbnb. Or you're a taxi ranch, you've just lost all of your taxis. What do you do? Anyone? Uber, yes. Um, So it's this, or a restaurant, you've lost all your buildings. What do you do? McDonald's, yes. Yes, always McDonald's. But um, Deliveroo or Uber Eats or something like that. So it's a a clever thing to basically get people out of their narrow trenches. And it's like, you still want to hit your vision, but how do you get there when your main thing has gone? Um, So I think the power of our imagination in partnership in, in, with the Holy Spirit, basically in prayer, God, what could I do? You know, like, how could I lead this meeting? How could I discipline my child in this moment? How could, you know, it's that, it's literally the exploration of your imagination, which I think, like, we're creative beings. I think there's something really cool in that, of, like, using your kind of imagination in light of um, what you know is happening and unfolding around you. So that's the first thing. And then just the second thing to draw out um, from from this from this well, actually less this passage, more just in general, is um when when you know the end of the story your your um your certainty levels change. you know like um with going back to Rich and M and the view extra experience they when there's a fight scene in the first five minutes, he 's probably sat there thinking. I know he's not going to die now because what do they do for the rest of the 180 minutes? You know, like your certainty, you like, he's very relaxed watching this. And then maybe as the minutes get on and on and on and on and on, and then maybe in the last 20 minutes, it's like, okay, it's probably coming because I can feel pretty confident about that. Cause I know he's going to die. I know it has to happen. So it's probably coming in the next 20 minutes, you know, your certainty and, and your levels of, um, like assurance changes. If you know, if you know the end and, um, there's a guy called Newbigin. He's like a the- theologian. And he talks. He basically talks about like the gospel in partnership with the kingdom of God and, and what that looks like for communities, like church communities. And he talks about a community of hope. And it, it stood out to me because I just was thinking, if, if you think about how we use the word hope today, it's like, hopefully that goes well. Or I really hope he arrives on time. Or hopefully everything will work out and everything will be fine. It's actually the equivalent of saying like, fingers crossed. I actually can't really say much. It's like, good luck. Like, hopefully, hopefully. It's, it's actually quite, it's lovely. Like, it's a nice thing to say to someone. But it's, it does, it's not actually, um, it, there's, no, there's no assurance in that. So hopefully he turns up. It's like, I hope he does. But when we're using that word hope now, it's effectively like wishful thinking. It's like, I'm I'm really hoping this happens. But you could kind of just interpret that as I wish this happens, Um, as opposed to any assurance or any certainty that something will or won't happen. So there's a difference between wishful thinking as a community versus an assurance and a certainty in what we know about God, about his will playing out. The kingdom of God is here it's happening. It's advancing around us. There's a, there's a So when we're then a community of hope, we are a group of people who are more sure in that than someone else. It, you know, it, not that it's like a comparison, but there's a, there's a certainty and a, a depth of assurance as opposed to hopefully it all kind of God thing works out and, and maybe it's going to be okay. Uh, I don't actually really know. So I'll just we don't, we're not afforded that. There is an assurance and a certainty. The kingdom of God is advancing. It is here. And so as a community of people, we, we have the certainty. I just can't really actually say it in any other way. There is a certainty and assurance in what we know and what we can trust in God. That again, it affords us the ability to then say, okay, so, so how could I? dot dot dot. How could I lead? How could I be a friend? How could I be a sister? Because we know we know that as opposed to a wishful thinking or a kind of quite loose hope. Um and and all that to say that you can't that doesn't you can't just say, therefore everything's gonna be fine. You know, like I know that the kingdom of God is the end of the story, I know that God wins, I know that his will is unfolding around me, I know that one day everything will be exactly as God intended it, therefore everything's fine. That that doesn't work, you know, like even just on the news this week, it doesn't work. It doesn't work to say, okay, one or the other. Everything's gonna be fine and there's no pain, there's no suffering, because we know that it's not forever, we know that God's will is here, we know that the kingdom is advancing, therefore it does not work. The, and, and this is what New Biggin was saying, is there is a, there's a depth and a richness and a aliveness of someone, of us, is the invitation, who can tread that hideous tension really, really well. You can look at the news and you can hear the earthquake, about the earthquake, and you can experience pain to no end in your own life. And you can grieve and you, and you can like, you know, like experience feelings of pain <laughs> alongside in this extraordinary tension of a certainty and a hope that the kingdom of god is advancing his will is here it is playing out around you and what you do in partnership with the holy spirit is so significant and so powerful and you uh, but you do that together because we we undermine the other one if we try and get rid of the other one. (laughs) Does that make sense? You know, like if you try and just say everything's fine, you undermine the pain. And if you only focus on the pain, you undermine the certainty of the hope that you've been afforded through Jesus. So there's a, you know, like we should all be like slightly buzzing of like, oh, that is such a tension. That is such a tension to hold together. And I wonder which one you, do you favor one of them? Do I try and ignore pain at all costs? All, all costs, I'm so good at it. I just try and like ignore, ignore, ignore. Um, whereas some of you maybe try and ignore the hope, you ignore the kind of the victory that you've been. I don't know. Maybe you just go between the two more frequently than I do. But there's such an invitation, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to to like do that tension together. It doesn't. Um, it's not one or the other. So those two things. One is it's the ordinary thing becoming very very extraordinary in your hand how do you view the mustard seed in your hand knowing it's going to turn into a tree and you know be so much more impactful than a teeny tiny seed H- how does that how does that make you think about an area in your life or how does it make you think about your words and the power that your words carry or whatever it is in your context and then that second thing is that the the uh, the invitation to balance the tension of knowing the certainty and the hope that the kingdom of God is here. God's will is advancing. That's the end of the story. We know the spoiler. And yet, we shoulder that alongside the the pain and the, the, the pain of life that we experience. Um, and so, as we're just coming into land, I wanted to just share what I think, certainly in my life, are the two things that block me from... Kind of exploring that imaginative space with God, exploring how the equivalent of the mustard seed could turn into the tree in my life um, and their blockers. But do just be praying, zone out at this point if you actually just want to pray and say, What would stop me? Because this is what I think is most relevant for me and, and therefore hopefully for some of you, but it might be totally different for you guys. The first thing is that in my reality, I become distracted by idols. And the picture that I have when I was thinking about this is a um, hot air balloon. And it's all fired up and it's got the fire in the middle and it's ready to go. And it's like jumping off the ground. And then you have those four ropes that keep it down. Idols in my life are the equivalent of those four ropes keeping me down. It keeps me where I am. It keeps me focused. It keeps me very inward and it keeps me very present. I'm not thinking about anything there because one of my idols is like, what do people think of me? Do they think I'm absolutely amazing and just the best person they've ever met? If the answer is no, I've got a lot of work to do and I'm focusing on that idol. How can I manipulate you so that you think I'm amazing? And that's such a distraction. I, I'm not then, if anything, I'm then making it worse. Of like, Okay, so how can my mustard seed turn into a tree so that they think I'm amazing? It's, it's so distracting. It's such a blur of focus. Um, and it keeps me grounded. Like I'm not flying off. I'm not being used in fully the way that God wants to. Because I'm trapped by this distracting arrogance of like, I want you to think I'm amazing. That's such a distraction. And and it's, it the idols, it might be how you come across at work. It might be promotions. It might be money. It might be what your kids think of you. There's so many different things that ultimately, if it's taking up a lot of your headspace and a lot of your time and energy in your mind, it's probably an idol distracting you from fully worshiping God and fully allowing God to actually work through you, knowing that, the end of the story is that you have got extraordinary potential to partner with the kingdom of God advancing here on earth. So are there idols? Are there things that are literally distracting you? They're pulling you down. And it's just this thing of being grounded. It's like, I'm not flying. I'm like, I'm grounded because I'm so tied down by that. Is there something that comes to mind for you that you just need to pray would kind of be cut off, I guess, literally like that image. Um, And then just the second thing, Is that when we say yes to some of this and when we say like, okay, God, like, how would you use me? Like, how would you use my words? Or how would you use my leadership? Or how would you use dot, dot, dot? There's then a big fear for me of the unknown. Because I don't know the answer. God does. (laughs) You know, it's like I'm not asking a rhetorical question. It's like, okay, wow, how do you you actually, what do you actually want to do? And how do you want to use me? The fear then of what will happen is, for me, quite quite big. And to be honest, being here at the front now, was, this is like a walking, living example. Because I basically, this week, Dan was praying for me before, and I was like, Dan, I actually just don't think I have I, I don't think I can give what this talk needs. I says Johnny in the car. I was like, can we just turn around? I was like, I just, I feel so, I feel so like not even tired, like energyless. You know when you're just like sapped. And I was like, I, I actually just don't know if I can do it. Like I, I can't actually. And so I was saying to Dan. I was like, how are you feeling about it? I was like, um, well. And he, and Dan just so graciously and so wisely was like, it sounds like you're experiencing what you're going to talk about, which is. I actually don't know what's going to happen with this talk because I don't feel like I have anything to give. And and so I don't really know what that's going to feel like. That for me is terrifying, terrifying, because you're saying, like, okay, God, like, yes, turn my ordinary words. Please turn that into something extraordinary for this community of people this morning. But I don't know what that's gonna feel like. I don't know what that's gonna look like. I don't know if I'm gonna hate it, am I gonna love it? Do you think I'm amazing? Do you not you know, like there's so much going on. And and so it's like, okay, this is me, this is me doing it. This is like, this is it. And and I find that I find that terrifying. I, I don't I would I would work hard to avoid this feeling or fear of the unknown. What will that look like? I can't control that, I don't know. And and I just think there's a Well, there's such a humanness in that, isn't there? And just such a thing of, okay, God, that's really scary. But I trust in who you are and what you're doing, which ultimately is good.